From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Friday, December 4th, 2020. On Fridays, Alicia Bales talks with Mendocino County's public health officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, about the county's response to the pandemic and listeners call in with their questions. My name is Alicia Bales and on the line with us is Dr. Andy Corrin. Welcome, Dr. Corrin. Hi. Hi. Uh, Thanks for that briefing just now. That was really a lot of information. Um, We have other folks joining us today. Do you guys want to say hi and introduce yourselves? Good afternoon, Alicia. I'm Becky Emery. I'm the Department Operations Center Manager. I've also asked our uh, other Operations Center Manager to join us, Kelsey Rivera. All right. Thanks, Becky. Good to good to have you here. And welcome, Kelsey. It's it's nice to have you with us, too. And thanks to Sarah and Ashley for making this all happen. So we've already got a caller on the line, but I just want to invite you um, to if there's anything else you want to say before we start with the call ins about that substantial briefing you just gave. Well, I'll just summarize that we're right at the cusp of a very severe surge Uh, that is affecting the world, the nation, California, and our county. Uh, And and this is translating into lives, uh, sickness and lives, and that's terrible. Um, We are surging, and the California state government has established some restrictions that will kick in if we start losing one of our most valuable resources, which is ICU bed capacity. Um, If we lose that, then the sickest people in our community will not be able to get the care they need, whether it's for COVID or whether it's a heart attack or an accident or cancer or any of those things. On our our part, from the county's point of view, we are um, continuing to find people through testing who are and uh, contacting those people who are positive and finding out who they've contacted to try and protect them and protect the community from the germs uh, with our contact tracing and contact investigation. And um, we are also preparing very rapidly to gear up for a mass vaccination campaign uh, that we hope will really prevent the terrible consequences of this virus as we go forward over the next several months. But in the meantime, We all need to really hunker down and make sure we don't get infected and we don't create situations like gatherings in our homes that will allow our loved ones, uh, some of the more vulnerable members of our community, to catch this disease and have terrible consequences. So that's my summary. All right. And by now we have lots and lots of practice at this, so we should be very good at it. So let's go ahead and take our first caller. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi there. Thank you so much for this important information. I think we're so lucky to have you all in our county to help us stay safe. Mike, I have two quick questions. Uh, One of them is about the post offices. I see in the post offices here on the coast, um, they're um, they're enclosed and people are coming in who don't have masks. And today there was a situation, a young man had his mask down by his chin and People were asking him to cover his uh, mouth and nose, and he just wasn't complying, and people were um, trying to be very kind and coach him into why to do it. There needs to be people at the doors at the post office because now with the Christmas rush, there's uh, a lot of people coming in and a lot of tension. And also, I'm concerned about 
the testing uh, here on the coast. Um, I happened to not test positive, luckily, but I was at a situ- one of the uh, facilities, a restaurant, where there was an outbreak, and we all had to get tested, and luckily there was a test being given uh, within the time frame that we were able to get to. If that happens again, do we have to go to Ukiah? I mean, not me personally, but if it happens again, another outbreak here on the coast, where do we go if we have to get tested right away? And if it's on a Sunday? Uh, I believe Optum Serve doesn't uh, uh, do that on Sunday. Is that correct? Thank you. All right. Thanks for the, those questions, caller. Becky, I'm going to let you take that question about the testing and testing on the coast in particular because you're the expert. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Corrin. So uh, anytime that we have an outbreak, a defined outbreak, we have been um, offering outbreak testing when those have happened. And so we actually have been going to those sites. And so we did go to Fort Bragg for the outbreak that was over there for Noyo Harbor. Uh, I'm guessing that that's probably where the, the caller had gotten tested last. So she said she recently did. Uh, and we did do that testing as a result of that outbreak. We would continue that same process at this point and show up in that area wherever the the outbreak is and do outbreak testing um okay and there is outbreak testing happening right now on the coast correct there is indeed right now over on the coast we have outbreak testing happening it started um i believe at two o'clock today and is at uh, the address for that is 30660 Navarro Ridge Road in Albion, and it's going from 2 to 5 p.m. today. Uh, I just want to be really clear. The one difference between the OptumServe testing or surveillance testing and testing with clinics is that you will get your results regularly with those. Uh, outbreak testing, the individuals that we contact are those that have tested positive. We don't Uh, send out results and contact people that have negative test results. And we do uh, share that information at all of our outbreak events as well. But if you haven't heard back from the outbreak testing for how how many days do you think? A week? Uh, Usually within a week, yes. If we have delays, we certainly share that there are delays in getting those results so that people know to stay longer. Okay. Um, Also, the caller asked about OptumServe not being available on Sunday, but that's no longer true, right? It's open seven days a week now? In Ukiah. Uh, right. So the OptumServe in Ukiah is um, in their transition, and so we are working towards having them open seven days a week. Um, there have been some delays with the state. I think they've got us six days right now, and they're trying to get that seventh day added. Um, but, yes, we will be open seven days a week. Okay, so right now the six days are Sunday through Friday, right? It's not open Saturday? That's correct. Okay, good. I am tracking this accurately. All right, <laughs> let's take our next call. Call Wait, you know, Alicia, there yeah. was another question that the caller raised about the uh, about the post office and yeah. the person being really non-compliant and not very respectful of the other people in there or the, the employees. Um, you know, the laws around the post office, which is federal property, I believe, is not something I can comment on. But I can say that within other businesses, um, uh, business owners can refuse service to people who do not have a mask. That is part of the law. Um, now, how much enforcement there is is another question, but they can, you know, call our uh, call center number, uh, which is, and I'm going to say that again, 472-2759. Um, 
So that is one outlet. And the other thing, it sounds like the caller and the other people in the community were doing, we're trying to politely convince this fellow. Um, I mentioned an experience that I had at one point of walking into a store where people were not masked. And I asked the owner whether, or it was, I might not have been the owner, but it was the person who was working there. Do you mask in this place? And uh, he got his mask right on. So sometimes it's just a question and a reminder. And if not, I was prepared to make a U-turn and walk out. Now that's hard during the Christmas season when you've got a lot of things you want to send off, uh, but coming back another day might be might be what's worthwhile. All right, let's take our next caller. Caller, did you are you still there? Caller? Is that me? Yeah, it's you. Thank you so much for waiting. Yeah, I have uh, two questions. Uh, is it true that? Two days after we hit the 15% ICU number, then the new restrictions go into effect. And the second question is, we're like 3% away from the 15%. How many ICU beds does that stand for? I mean, to be more occupied, is it like two beds, 10 beds? You know... I, I don't know the answer to that because it depends, for one thing, on what the other counties have. So we're in a group of counties, and when our counties have less than 15% available ICU beds, then you're right. We have two days to change to the new orders. Um, but it depends on the whole region. Um, and isn't, isn't there like a daily... Um a daily uh, adding up of those numbers right. of all the counties. How are we sure going to know when we get there? there? I'm sure the state yeah, is doing because, because, you know, you have to kind of plan if your business is going to be shut down. So there are daily reports that are submitted to the state by the hospitals on their capacities. Um, those numbers shift and change all of the time. And so to give an exact number is much more difficult because they are flexing as their surges and different situations happen in each county. And it's far more than just Mendocino County. It's all of the counties in our northern region that were uh, identified and then grouped together for that percentage. And if you visit covid19.ca.gov, you can get those percentage numbers by region and you can check that daily in the report. And the state does update information there. And that's covid19.ca.gov. All right. And that's oh, okay. that's where that um, the numbers are going to be coming from. That's the source that you're going to use to determine when everything is going to be shut down. Is that yes. right? Th yeah. That is where the governor is posting those rates. Okay. Um, per region. Well, and um, you'll be able to see our region, all the other regions. Great. And and the Bay Area County. Kind of similar to how. I'm sorry. I was going to say kind of similar to how they were county by county uh -huh. for the tier colors. It's the same style web page with information. Um, the Bay Area counties just this afternoon put themselves into the shelter in place without waiting for the 15 percent ICU threshold. Are you considering anything like that to make planning easier for people so they don't have to wonder when it's going to hit? And if not, what will be that signal for you to do it? Or I think you just said it's regional, so it's not even something that, that you necessarily are going to pull the trigger on. Right. It is regional and will be notified by the state government. Um, we don't have the kind of uh, regional 
uh, health officer structure here uh, that the Bay Area has developed over years. And so uh, if we did it, we'd probably want to do it as a region. Uh, as a county, I think that there's not that much to be gained by doing it as an individual county. I think it's important to go with the uh, with the region. All right. And that could mean that we get shut down before while we still have close to 60 percent or, or more than 15 percent as a county. But as the region, if the region has less than 15 percent, then we'll go with with the region. All right. Let's take our next call. Whoops. Missed him. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, I have a question for the doctor, which is I have a friend who says she's not required to wear a mask because she's exempt because of health issues. And I, my question is, that doesn't seem right to me. Wouldn't the medical system have a special kind of mask she could wear? She travels out of the county regularly. And it really concerns me that she doesn't have to wear a mask. I'll take my answer offline. So I do not know... Um, what would be the reason that she would qualify as not needing to wear a mask? In most cases, those are self-assessments. In some cases, it has to do with people who do have uh, severe lung disease, uh, or there may be other reasons that their physician has said you don't, you shouldn't wear a mask. However, there are other ways to protect yourself and protect the people around you. Remember, for really up until this past month, and continuing, we always think of masks as source control. So the person who's wearing the mask is protecting those around him or her. Um, we do know that the mask wearer is now protecting themselves when they wear a mask. The alternative to a mask is a face shield. And the face shield has to have a bib on it. So uh, it's a clear shield that goes around from the forehead to below the chin. And, uh, and below that is fastened a cloth, and that is usually tucked into the shirt. And the sides, if we can keep those close to the cheeks, uh, uh, obstructs any escape, or not any, but most escape of the germs. So that would be alternative for your friend. All right. This is KZYX. The call-in number here is 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448. And we're on the line with Dr. Andy Corin, Mendocino County's Public Health Officer, and Becky Emery, the Department Operations Center Manager for Mendocino County. Let's take our next call. Hello, caller. Are you still there? Yes. You're live on the air. Um Right, thank you. So, thanks for this opportunity. My question is concerning the vaccine that is, um, you know, coming our way. And so, I have some questions concerning that. Is if um, if you've already had COVID and you're showing that you have the antibodies, um, do you still need the vaccine? And then, let me go ahead and layer my questions because um, they're kind of all connected. And so, if um, you feel like you've had COVID, which I do, I think I had it in February, but I've never had an antibody test to find out for sure, do you have a recommendation for whether I should get an antibody test? And then second, I mean, the net last of the question is um, I've been reading up on the long-term effects of COVID because I feel like I'm experiencing some, in particular the chronic fatigue, the memory fog, and oh, some kind of a recycling cough and some things like that. So 
I am looking to go to my primary health um, physician to get checked, and I'm wondering if you had any particular tests or such that I should order just to look into these long-term effects. So I know that's a lot of questions there, but any information you can share, I just appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Well, the recommendations for people who have had COVID is they should still get the vaccination. We don't know how long immunization actually uh, continues. Um, COVID hasn't been around long enough, and for sure the vaccines haven't been around long enough to know. Uh, so, uh, so vaccines will be necessary for everybody, whether they've had it or not. Uh, the question of have you had COVID, uh, you could get an IgG immune uh, test uh, from the hospital uh, or from, you know, from a lab ordered through the hospital or by your primary care doctor through a lab. Um, the validity of that or how long the natural uh, immune globulins last is still a question. They might be able to detect some antibodies. They may be high enough or not high enough. Remember, after an infection, when we do have in, in immunity and we have immune globulins circulating, we, the, the amount of it goes down frequently. And then when you get the germ again, the cells that make those antibodies produce more. So what the what the result of the test is uh, can be variable, and the interpretation of the test and how much protection it gives you, we don't have the information yet to do that. As far as the long-term effects of COVID, yes, there are some long-term effects. As uh, COVID becomes longer term, we're finding out more what those effects are. My recommendation is to ask these questions of your own personal physician or provider if it's not a physician. All right. Thanks for that question, caller. Let's take our next one. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for the show. You guys do a great job. So I have an issue that I haven't heard anyone address. I am a home health care worker, and I'm private pay. I'm not IHSS. I'm not aware of any specific guidelines that have been put out for home health care aides. And I don't think we are considered when people talk about who gets the new vaccine. Um, I've been working with the same client for three years, and I cut down to only her because uh, I was concerned with what I saw. So I want you to know, of course, there's crossover of all these workers who go in and out of homes. My question is, I go in, I consider the person I work for to be my family because I have honored all the rules since March because I do health care. I stay home, I limit my actions, and I go to work. Um, I don't know what the other people are doing. They claim they do. How do I know? The issue is you go in there, I have a mask on, no one wears a mask. Um, I'm mainly the primary caregiver here with one other person, a relative. I'm wondering, what can you say to home health care aides about the mask situation, being inside, crossing over, and staying with a person for hours at a time? My other thing I want to say is I think it might be helpful if people who've had COVID in this county if they are willing to speak on your program, 
about their experience because I live in Willits and I have to be out there with what I do when I do my things. I do laundry because I'm a rancher. It's always a landmine at the laundromat. No one wears masks, okay? And nobody talks about laundromats. Um, so, you know, you have all this going on. The other thing is if people who had COVID could talk about what that experience is like, because people here, a lot of people don't believe it's real. They still think it's a hoax. And I wish perhaps if someone could share their experience, it would help um, make people realize they live here and this is real and we need to be concerned. And I, I just want somebody to talk about the home health aid. Thank you. Thanks, caller. That's a great question. And I would like to invite anybody who has had the experience of COVID-19, of, of having a positive test and, and living through the illness, either a symptomatic illness or having it asymptomatically, please do get in touch. I would love to give you a platform to talk about your experience. And you can reach me directly. I'm Alicia Bales. I'm the program director here. And my email is PD, as in program director, PD, at KZYX.org. I would be really, really happy to put a show together. I think that's one of the voices we've been missing in this whole conversation is uh, both people who have um, survived COVID and also from the the community members who haven't, from their families or from their communities. Um, It's hard to figure out how to acknowledge and remember people when we don't know who they are. So um, as this is a collective experience, yes, please do get in touch and I'd be more than happy to put you on the air. Uh, Dr. Corrin, anything to say to that caller? Yeah, there... First of all, she's doing a great job keeping herself um, uh, safe and safe for her, the person she's caring for. I would ask whether the relative is probably also a live-in relative and is also keeping um, uh, carefully separated from other members of the community, um, then they're doing the right thing. Uh, You're wearing a mask uh, is a perfect thing. Uh, you're essentially making yourself part of that person's family. And, uh, so you can continue to do that. Um, if you do come in contact with other people, uh, in, in, for example, in your household, then it would be an added risk. And and you would definitely, when you're caring for, uh, the person uh, in the other home, you'd want to wear your mask. So you're not sharing germs. There are some guidelines for home care workers, uh, and it's on the California website, cdph.ca.gov. And uh, you are considered a uh, health care worker if you're, if you're giving health care. Uh, but there are also, um, there are also um, recommendations for uh, people who are not necessarily medical or part of a home health service but our personal care. So there is, there is available information for that. Does that mean that home health care workers will be in the first tier of vaccine recipients too? I think that they're in the second or the, or the B, 1B phase. Do you remember, uh, Becky? Yeah. No. We have I, to I don't recall the- exactly which phase, you know, there's, there's the five phases and it runs through and then there's subsets of the phases. So right. it, it's pretty complex. It sounds like it. It sounds like it's being kind of figured out as you go as well, that, that it's already complex and then how it's actually going to roll out practically is uh, you, you have a lot of conversations to have across the county yep. to, to get that worked out. All right, let's take our next caller. Caller, are you still there? 
Yes, thank you for the show. Um, in the earlier hour, it was mentioned that there would be a mobile testing, non-symptomatic testing, on the, the South County area, but that's a big area. What did that mean, South County? That needs to be clarified, please. And then also, I'd like to say that there are, I hope not too many, but some of us have no computers or screens in our homes, and we totally depend on this program and others like it and the radio. If you're sheltering in place, you don't get downtown to get the newspaper, which my local paper just comes out once a week. So could you be more cognizant of the people that don't have computers to get the word out to us, especially about uh, surges in our areas? How will we find out about that if we can't go online? Good point. Thanks for that, caller. Thank you. All right, Becky, you want to announce the, the South Coast testing so we do have South Coast testing scheduled for December 11th. Uh, we have not finalized the site and times yet, and as soon as we do, we will share that information. We'll make sure that we reach out to various media platforms as well so that it can be shared in a variety of ways so that not just those with computers have access to that information, and I appreciate that feedback. Yeah, and we can announce it on our local coronavirus updates at 3 o'clock on Monday and Wednesdays as well. Um, all right, well, the phone lines are open, so I have a question. I'll, we'll leave the phone lines open. We're, we're going to go for another seven minutes because we started late. Um, and the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. But, Dr. Korn, you mentioned that um, there will be an extension of relief money coming from the state for small businesses, for renters, and for food. And I think, you know, as we look at these shelter-in-place orders coming down, obviously for health reasons, that's what has to happen. But for everybody economic survival and the practicalities of just keeping your house, uh, you know, keeping a, a, a roof over your head and keeping your family fed, it's not possible for people to do it. So we're in this very uncomfortable, uh, pretty dangerous situation, actually, that we need to hunker down, but not everybody, in fact, a lot of people can't. Um, and so I wonder how people can access that practical relief from the state uh, and get ready to access it because this shelter in place sounds like it is coming. It's going to be here by next week, probably. You know, this is a social service and an eligibility issue more than anything. I know that the, um, that the governor announced uh, the hundred million dollars main street hiring tax, a thousand dollars per qualified employee uh, business groups are being supported. I don't know if these are new funds, but I think um, a call in. Becky, do you have any information on how uh, they would access any of these supports? Would it be... Um, so we have multiple resources listed. I know that that um, on our website of how to access uh, resources for businesses, for food, for uh, any number of things, including um, funding for individuals that are currently in isolation and quarantine to help them. Um, and so I would really encourage someone to go to the website, uh, which is at the MendocinoCounty.org um, community. Uh, let's see, I think it's COVID. Sarah, you have that website memorized. I'm going to ask you to give it. Yeah. And I would also say that preliminary information about those programs for small businesses and tax relief is on covid19.ca.gov. Um, typically, once we have this announcement, the, the few days in the week that follows, a lot of the specifics about how to apply, 
um, how to participate is released. Um, and as the, the counties, the regions get closer, there'll be more information, but um, they do list out all of the resources and links to the different programs. And I would check that out on the state site and probably check often um, because this is a new program, but usually within the week after the announcement, there'll be more information on how to apply. And then if people don't have access to the web, can they call the call center and get some help with that? Okay, it's 472-2759 is the Mendocino County call center number, 472-2759. All right, we've got a caller on the line. Let's see what they have to say. Caller, are you still there? Yes. All right, go ahead. You're live on the air. Thank you. Um, what, what could you tell uh, either your friend or other people that you run into and they say, well, trying to, uh, when you wear a mask and trying to stop the virus is akin to trying to stop a mosquito with a chain link fence. Hmm. Well, there have been numerous studies that discount that. Um, and even though the virus is smaller than the spaces on a uh, cloth mask, when you get to an N95 mask, and even at a surgical mask, you're going to catch more. Uh, but the but um, there's been very very good research that has shown that it's a good uh, source control uh, method. And the the most striking uh, controlled studies that I've seen have been inside hospitals, uh, where healthcare workers, of course, come in much closer contact with the COVID virus, and uh, in the Northeast, the uh, healthcare workers were getting sick at an uh, astounding rate. Uh, and when the um, when the hospitals began to say not only that the medical providers and nurses and so on should wear masks, but the but all the patients had to wear masks. The numbers of healthcare this is what was researched. The numbers of healthcare workers um, who came down with infections plummeted. I mean, it was very, very dramatic. So universal masking in hospitals has been, has been you know, a, uh, a mainstay of, of keeping down infection. So we know that it's a, it's a very successful source control. Um, and it is true that the holes are bigger than you'd expect, but um, a lot of the aerosol that gets out is in the form of uh, larger droplets that do, that do hit uh, the chain link fence itself, even though there are holes on it, um, and multi layers also helps. So even though someone may say that to you, there's very very good research that shows that it is a it's a very important protection. Also, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was thinking that um, the virus really needs some kind of median to 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 go wherever. Like if it's going to go through the air or through your mouth or come through the air, doesn't it have to be attached to, like you said, droplets or something? I mean, it doesn't just, it doesn't have wings like a mosquito fly around, correct? <laughs> no, think about a virus as a particle. And so it does kind of just float around like dust, very tiny dust, but it does float around. Now, in the initial months of this infection, they said, well, it only was spread by droplets. But they have found that the uh, that the infectious uh, virus does linger in the air and behaves like just a small particle. So that it doesn't have to be on something. 
All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of our half hour today. Uh, it's going to do it for our Friday Q&A with you, Dr. Corin. Thank you to all of you for being here. Thanks for making yourself available to Mendocino County residents and to KZYX listeners. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will see you next week at the same time, although there won't be a county briefing, correct? Yeah. So we'll just get the latest from you here without the the whole press conference beforehand. Uh, but you'll be back here three o'clock next Friday for open lines um, for a local coronavirus update. Thanks again. And we'll see you then. Have a good week. Thank you for having us. All right. Take care. And my name is Alicia Bales, and um, I will be back with Dr. Drew Colfax on Monday from 3 to 3.30. Uh, he is committed to continuing to do the local coronavirus updates Monday and Wednesday afternoons, open lines, answering your questions with uh, with evidence-based information with true facts about the coronavirus update with the best information we can bring you about how to keep yourself and your community safe during what appears to be the worst surge of COVID that we've seen so far. So uh, we're here with you. We want you to have good information so you can make the best decisions. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for the callers today. Those were fantastic questions. And I will be back with you Monday afternoon at 3. Stay tuned now for the TED Radio Hour. We're just going to get into the last 20 minutes of that uh, in progress. And then following the TED Radio Hour will be Democracy Now! at 4 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, of course, All Things Considered. And 6, join us for our local news here at KZYX. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYX and Z, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.